0: Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hey, um, there are several visitors here, so let me just tell you, as a church, we have committed 2018 to getting back to the basics of our faith. We're inspecting our foundation, our faith all the way down to its foundation and making sure that it's firm, and so we're, we're talking, you know, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about Um, the elementary teachings of Christ and how we have to move on from the elementary uh, teachings of Christ and grow into maturity. And so that's what we're doing. And so each month, we're taking a different topic. The month of January, we actually talked about how important it is to have a foundation. I'm a little stopped up, so if you you guys good, you you probably are too. Okay, so anyway, January, we were talking about um, the topic of having a foundation, why it's important. For February, we spent... I'm um, talking about the topic of salvation, because unless you have salvation, the rest of it really probably doesn't even apply to you, okay? And so March, we're going to be talking about the sacraments. Everybody say sacraments. sacraments. Now, if you were raised Catholic, that's probably a very familiar word to you, because there are seven sacraments that are recognized and, uh, and utilized in their times of worship, Soma's obviously not um, Catholic, we would be considered Protestant. I will leave it up to you to take the time to go and look at the difference between those, but most Protestant churches believe that there are actually two sacraments, communion and baptism, okay? And so what we're going to do is for the month of March, we want to we talk about communion and baptism and talk about why they're important for us as believers. And so tonight what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to have one foot... Still in the topic of salvation. And go ahead and put the other foot into the topic of communion. And you guys will see why as we go. But let's just start talking about communion for a second. Communion. And most of us, when we think about communion, we think about communion as that frustrating moment when you're at church and you hear that they're going to feed you. Right? But they only give you a cracker the size of a quarter. You know what I'm talking about? And then they give you this teeny, teeny, weeny, beeny cup of juice. And somehow they expect that that little bit of juice is going to be enough juice to wash down that teeny, beady beady cracker. You guys know what I'm talking about? The whole thing is a little interesting. If you think about it, I remember whenever my family got back in church. It was the first time I took communion, really, that I can recall. It was the first time. Um, because my family got back in church. And I listen, I was a 16-year-old distance runner. What do 16-year-old distance runners need? More than anything. Calories. That's what I needed. And so I remember sitting there in the church, and the guy comes around, has this plate full of little crackers. You know, they weren't even the size of a quarter. These were like little ones, like chicklets. You guys know what I'm talking about? Y'all have seen those. And he goes by, please take one. And I remember thinking, one? are you kidding me this guy's got to be kidding me I wanted to take the whole thing grab it and put it in my mouth and eat it because I was hungry you invited me to dinner and you said will give me a little morsel of food and it's amazing how that little piece of bread can absorb every amount of moisture that you have in your mouth away from you you guys know what I'm talking about and then and you're supposed to pray you know you do this and you're supposed to be praying you can't pray your, your tongue is stuck to the top of your mouth. You guys know what I'm talking about? And then, then they come and they say, here's you, a drink. And the cup is the size of, I don't even, you can't even, it's just this eddy, teeny, teeny bitty cup. And they say, here, wash it down with that. And you can't wash it down. You know, you're staring going, and I remember thinking, man, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, that didn't work. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And you know, you kind of walk away, especially if you've never seen anything like that, experienced anything like that, or if you've experienced a thousand times over, you really kind of walk away with a bad taste in your mouth, you know, literally. Um, But what I wanted to say to you tonight is that a minister may not offer you enough juice to wash down your cracker, but Jesus... Offers you enough blood to wash away your sins. Can I get an amen in the house? Listen, that cup of juice represents the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus does work. I want to go ahead and give you the title of this sermon, so write it down The Power of His Blood. The Power of His Blood. El Poder de su sangre for these Spanish speakers and let me go ahead and also give you this whole sermon in one sentence like you know I like to do without the blood of Jesus we'd all be dead without the blood of Jesus simple tonight without the blood of Jesus we'd all be dead when Jesus was with his disciples the night before he died and he lifted that cup and he said this is my blood Listen, he wasn't being melodramatic, okay? He wasn't being a melancholy poet. He was declaring one of the greatest mysteries of our faith, and that is that salvation is in the blood. Remember, when they were doing that, it was Passover. So Jesus was enjoying a Seder meal with his friends but it was more than just a meal it was really it was really this party it was this celebration with lots of components that they would take part in and each component told part of the story of how god delivered israel out of egypt for 1500 years families would lift four cups of wine to remember and to celebrate what god had done and the third cup that they would lift up every year year after year was to remember that when they believed God, that the blood over the doorpost of their home would save them from the spirit of death that was coming. Guess what? They lived. And that's what they thought of whenever they lifted that third cup. Listen, if there's one thing that Israel understood, it was that without blood, there is no salvation. Amen? Amen? And, you know, if you know anything about Hebrews, Hebrews is a book that was specifically written to Jewish people to help them understand what's going on with this whole Jesus thing. One of the things that he reminds them of is that without the shedding of blood, this is in Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. Last week, we talked about how salvation is the victory over sin and over death, right? And remember too that from the time of Moses until the time of Jesus, Israel had to sacrifice animals. They had to, they had to shed the blood of bulls and goats year after year, once every year for the forgiveness of their sins. And so Matthew and, and, and Peter and James and John, all those guys, all the disciples, they got the concept. And Matthew's recollection of it in chapter 26, verse 28, he remembers, I remember that Jesus took the cup, gave thanks and gave it to us and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. And then he said to do this, to remember him. At the time, they probably didn't understand. Obviously, they they understood later. And once they got it, once they understood what Jesus did, from that time on, every year, during a Passover Seder, when they would lift that third cup, yeah, they were They were remembering and celebrating the blood over the doorpost that caused the spirit of death to pass over their ancestors. But they were also able now, because of the person and work of Jesus, to remember and celebrate what Jesus did on the cross when he shed his blood and saved them from sin and death. Can I get an amen? Man, that's the gospel. Okay. So, But I want you to look at something else in in, in Jesus' words, and it's up there on the screen so you can see it. Notice that Jesus didn't just lift up a cup and make the declaration that his blood had the power to take away the sins of the world. He also commanded them to drink it. Drink it, some of you. No. He said, drink it, all of you. Now, why is that important? First, let me remind you of what we learned in the first few weeks of this year when we were talking about foundations. Remember, we learned that every one of us is a house. The way that Peter says it in 1 Peter 2 is that we are being built up as a spiritual house. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says it this way, that we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He says it in 1 Corinthians like this. He says that our body, really our very lives, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking today, and I added this to my notes, about how in Lamentations, the Old Testament, chapter 4, combined with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, together they paint a picture of how we are clay vessels created by God to contain all of his goodness okay so we are we are houses we are dwelling places we are temples we are vessels okay jesus's disciples then you and i now are all dwelling places we're all temples we're all houses say i'm a house, house. give yourself a roof <laughs> say i'm a house listen that's really important But but what I'm about to say is, is, is why I bring that up. Listen to me very carefully. As powerful as the blood of Jesus is, and it is powerful, right? So powerful. As powerful as the blood of Jesus is, it will only save you if you apply it to your house. Do you hear what I'm saying? let's look at Romans chapter 3 it's going to be up on the screen for the sake of time we're going to have it up on the screen here's what it says in, in starting in verse 24 it says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus verse 25 whom god has set forth to be a propitiation it says god set forth jesus who he is and what he did on the cross to be a propitiation Okay, now I get that that is a really big, propitiation is a really big churchy word, okay? But it's a big churchy word that we have to understand. So I'm going to tell you what that word means. It's in scripture multiple times. Here's what it means. Propitiation means to appease or to atone for. Please hear this so you'll get the the whole message tonight. It means to appease. It means to atone for. It means to make the situation right again. It means to cover the offense. In Romans chapter 1, and then also in Romans chapter 3, they, they tell us both, they tell us that, that humanity deserves God's wrath. Plain as day, simple. Humanity deserves God's wrath and God's punishment. And we've learned why over the past few weeks, right? We know that Adam and Eve paid more attention to the creature than they did. The creator, right? And they made some bad decisions, and they deserved to die for their wrongdoing. But God, everybody say that, but God. I love that. But God, being rich in mercy, came up with a surefire plan of propitiation, a way of covering sin, a way to appease his own wrath against humanity. So God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're talking about this thing, Adam and Eve, and then Eve's over there, and they're over there naked, and they, they know it, you know. And they're like, what are we gonna do? And God's thinking, bloodshed. <laughs> that's what it's gonna take. Let's, let's do bloodshed. I don't know why blood of all the things. I would have been like, you know, have them drop and give you 100, you know, or whatever. I don't know why blood, but that's what God came up with. He's like, the blood of an innocent animal is what will have the power to forgive the debt of sin. And so in the garden God killed an an innocent animal and Adam and Eve covered themselves with the skin of that animal. 2000 years ago God sent his son. Jesus was the innocent lamb that was slain for the sin that wrecked humanity. Jesus died, and his disciples knew that he was going to die. He had been talking about it. He had been telling them, I got to die at the hands of the religious leaders. I'm going to die. And Jesus' blood became, listen to me, the final propitiation for sin. In 1 John 4, it says that this is love. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You with me? You guys with me? Let's look back at Romans chapter 3. Should still be up there. Again, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins. Okay, there's that phrase again. The remission of Of sin. It's an important phrase. But look back at the beginning of verse 25. It says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Again, as powerful as the blood of Jesus is, it will only save you if you apply it in faith, through faith, by faith, to your house. Can you get that picture? A very familiar uh, scripture that most of us know kind of sums that thought, that idea up. It's in Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And yeah, most of us know that. By grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. The gift refers to the grace, okay? God's Provision of a way of propitiation, okay? That surefire method of appeasing God's wrath and removing the death that I deserve from my record, okay? That was a free gift. And I I, I threw in this scripture today because it's an important scripture. Um, It says, this is Romans chapter five, it says that Adam's sin led to condemnation. Adam's sin, Adam and Eve's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift, talking about grace, God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we're guilty of many sins, that's what it says. But I want you to notice what it says, God's free gift, grace, leads to our being made right with God. Okay, I'm gonna say a sentence and I want you to complete it. Most of you will know this sentence. You can lead a horse to water. True story, (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. What did Jesus say when he lifted up that cup? Drink from it. All of you, this is my blood. My point is that in his grace, God set out a a trough full of the liquid that would take away our sins and give us eternal life. And that liquid was the blood of Jesus. But as powerful as that blood is, it will only... Save you if you drink it, if you uh, appropriate it, if you apply it. Hear me? Now you might be thinking, okay, well, how do you do that? We've already covered some scriptures. Let's look back at them. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And then in Romans 3, it expands on that thought and takes it a little bit further with more clarity, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith. In his blood. If I want to experience God's gracious, free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of my sin, the appeasement of his wrath upon my life, then I have to, in faith, through faith, by faith, believe in who Jesus is. And believe in what Jesus did. I have to pick up, think of it this way, I have to pick up a a paintbrush of faith. Okay, And I've got to dip it into that special shade of red. On the label, you will find that it is called the blood of Jesus. And I have to paint my house with his blood. I have to apply it through faith, in faith, by faith to this house. And it's a powerful powerful paint. It's a powerful paint. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, you can't buy that paint at Home Depot. You can try, but... Listen, God's grace is amazing. The sound is sweet. <laughs> but listen, wretches like you and me, if we don't apply his propitiatory paint of choice, then death will not pass over us. Our sins will not be washed away. We will not experience eternal life. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have to apply by faith. The blood of Jesus. Again, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no removal. There is no forgiveness of sin. You you can't cry out God's grace. Grace, Lord, grace. But then try to bypass the blood. Try to avoid the blood. You can't do that. You also can't come up with another way. Let me try to figure out another way to do this. You can't. Your best efforts will fail. Peter says that. Peter knows this about, you know, more than anybody. And he says one time, he he says, you know that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. He's like, you know, you can't buy your salvation. Your money's not going to get you to heaven. He's not saying it's wrong to have money. He's just saying it's not going to get you to heaven. That's not what it'll take. He goes on and says, or your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Your religion won't save you who your dad was, who your mom was, that ain't gonna save you. And he says, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished blemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He said, it's only the blood of Jesus that has the power. But let me say it again. If I've said it once, I'll say it probably 10 times. As powerful as the blood of Jesus is, it will only save you if you apply it to your house to your house, to your dwelling place, this temple, to to your vessel. People will cry out, grace, 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 yeah, grace. But then they hear about the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, oh. Mm. But what did we say at the beginning? Without the blood of Jesus, we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead, amen? How many of you know this to be true? You're like, Pastor Tony is preaching the truth tonight. I should have handed out white hangies. you would be like, I surrender all. I could, I could show you a thousand different ways in Scripture that you see this, but I'll, I'll leave you with one more place, and I want you to go ahead and turn there. This is in Genesis chapter 6. This is the very, very familiar story. Maybe you don't know some of these verses in, in the book of Romans or in 1 Peter like we talked about or, or whatever, but most of us are familiar with the story of Noah. We've seen movies about it, though they may have been poorly made. We still saw the movie. We get the gist of it, okay? I want us to read this starting in verse 11 <clears throat> Excuse me <clears throat> This is the account of Noah and his family this is Genesis 6 starting in verse 11 I'm sorry let's start in verse 9 This is the account of Noah and his family Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time also he walked faithfully with God Noah and his three sons Shem Ham and Japheth Now the earth was corrupt In God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. Okay, that's his wrath. And his wrath, he's like, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And then he turns to Noah and he says... So you make yourself an ark of cypress wood and make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. And he goes on to give some very specific instructions. You guys can read that on your own. But I want you to think about this real quick. Everybody look at me. Every day of of Noah's life, and his wife and his three sons and those that were with him, every day of their life, they were faced with the same choices that everybody else on earth was faced with. Do I choose godliness or do I choose worldliness? Noah had the same choice everybody. Will I be godly or will I be worldly? He and his family could have been wiped off the face of the earth just like everybody else. And they would have if God had not, in his grace, provided a way of escape. God provided a means of salvation. God gave Noah the the secret to salvation. It was obviously, it was the ark. Make for yourself an ark. That was the mystery. And and think about it. Noah didn't even know what a boat was. He's like, an ark, a boat, and what? So he, he makes known the mystery, the secret. He also gives him the design. You can read about the design. You know, again, Noah didn't know. And he even gives Noah the ability to work on that thing for 100 years. No, it was 500 years when he built this boat. You know that guy was like, you know, but God gave him supernatural grace or ability to work on that thing for the time that he did, all of those years. And so, listen to me, the building of that boat is a picture, or that boat rather is a picture. And the building of it is a picture of God's gift of grace. Okay, can you see that? So what is the ark in this story? God's grace. You see that? God's grace. Without that ark, even Noah and his family were doomed. So Noah is what we would call a type of Christ, a picture, a foreshadowing in the Old Testament of who, who Christ was. And the ark would be a type or a picture or a shadow of salvation. You guys understand what I'm saying? And I want you to think about this. How many vessels did he have to make? How many, let me say it this way. How many vessels were gonna be available to save the world? One, How many doors were there into that vessel? One. I mean, you keep picking that up? Jesus said, I am the door. Another time he says, I am the gate. Another time he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. Okay, Jesus was the propitiation here. You can see that this ark, right? This ark was the way of salvation that God provided. There was even only one window. Remember they let out that dove? there's only one way to look up and see what's up I don't know I read the story and I'm like that's pretty cool God is a pretty good author in fact he's the author and finisher of our faith that's a whole nother sermon and there's several other ways that you can look at the story and see Jesus all over this thing but here's what I want to point out did you notice he said I want you to build an ark everybody zone in because we're wrapping up I want you to build an ark this is going to be a good ark You're going to love the design. Noah's like, I don't even know what an ark is. Well, here's an ark. You're going to love the design. Build this thing. This will save you, your family, all the animals. It's going to be big. It's going to be bad. It's going to be good. But as good as that boat, that vessel of grace was, it was going to do no good unless he followed every bit of instruction And what else did God tell Moses to do? To cover it inside and out with pitch. If you don't know what pitch is, pitch is like a tar material that that tends to be waterproof. It helps things be waterproof. Noah, I want you to cover the inside. It was specific before he even laid out this specific instructions, said, Be sure what this thing I'm gonna tell you to build, it's gonna be awesome. You got to cover it with pitch. It's going to be great, but you got to cover it with pitch. Because if you don't, that boat won't float, right? And he said, cover it inside and on the outside. Very specific instruction. Now, here's why that's important. This is a little geeky, but the Hebrew word for pitch is the same word used throughout all the Old Testament for atonement. You can't make that up. Right there in Noah's Ark, we see that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus' blood. Do you guys see that? Oh, there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. The Ark was God's gracious gift of salvation. The pitch really was the propitiation, the only thing that would make that ark work. But listen to me, what if Noah hadn't listened? What if he hadn't been paying attention for that part of the instruction? What if Noah decided he just wasn't gonna trust God, that God really knew what he was talking about when it comes to building boats? This way, say it this way. What if Noah had not obeyed God? Humanity wouldn't exist. It's what we started with tonight. Without the blood of Jesus, we'd all be dead. Salvation is in the blood. The power for salvation is in the blood. Amen.